This episode is sponsored by Kangaroo Jack Fitness, personal training that goes above and beyond to get the best results for you. Let's move it on to Group J because I know Ryan wants to get his uh, teeth sunk into this one. Tim, I'll start with you. Timo Puki, um, what nationality is he? He's Finnish, isn't he? He's not Finnish, he's only 28. Ryan, you wanted to talk oh, about that. Oh, no. Part, do, do not put that in. That, that, is 100%, that is 100% staying in. Game Time Podcast. They're back. They're all back. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that's a good thing for the listeners or a bad thing, but it's a full compliment of Game Time hosts. Tom, it's been a while. How have you been? I've been good, mate. How are you? Very well, thank you. Happy belated birthday. Oh, (laughs) thank you very much. Wait, when was your birthday? Solid. Yeah. Happy birthday. The biggest slap across the face. Uh, my birthday was on Saturday, Tim. Oh, Saturday shit. Happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't want to start this episode with a happy birthday chorus. Uh, Ryan, how you doing? Happy birthday. <laughs> H- HB. Uh, Tim, you all right? <laughs> I'm fine, thanks. <laughs> Solid. Solid. Um yeah, me and Tim have been propping up the podcast for the last two weeks, so it's nice to have a uh, have everyone back, get some more opinions Pulling in. The uh, weight. <laughs> <laughs> he said it, not me. Um, a very, uh, very interesting. Happy birthday! Stop. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I actually feel bad for missing it now. <laughs> uh, it's fine. It, like like five people wish me a happy birthday, so we're solid. We're solid. Well, that makes me even more sad. <laughs> Yes, uh, an interesting episode to start this week, but uh, it'll get more interesting, we promise. Uh, we'll talk... <laughs> Happy birthday! <laughs> For fuck's sake! <laughs> I take it back, go away! Um, right, let's start it with England-Bulgaria. I guess, despite the fact that it was 6-0, we probably should not just talk about the football. Uh, let's go, go around and just... I just want to get your opinion on it, because... I was talking about it to a few mates the other day and, and I got quite heated. There was a lot going into it, Tom, that, that people said Bulgaria have history for it. Did you expect it to, to get as bad as it did on, on Monday night? Uh, no, I didn't because I think there was a lot of it made up, made up before kickoff. Um, there was obviously the, the parts of the stadium were closed already because of previous issues with racism. Um, and then there was comments made by, uh, I think, Tammy Abraham as well. Uh, where he said that the the England players would walk off the pitch if they felt they were being uh, racially abused and it wasn't being addressed by the officials. Um, So I I felt that that was going to be a case of, well, they've they've made the point early and and therefore actually they're more likely to behave. Uh, The actual game itself, I don't know about you guys, but when the game was on and the TV coverage, I I found it difficult to, to, it was quite difficult to pick up whether there was, you could hear people being booed, but but actually I think that happens quite a lot sort of international level 
where players are booed, whatever. But it was quite difficult to pick up on that if there's actual racial um, slurs being muttered or, or, or specific abuse to specific players. But I, I watched the game on ITV and, and the, the coverage at half time. I've never seen a TV programme show it like that, where you're, I mean, they had cameras on the crowd. You saw Tyrone Mings turn to the, uh, the linesman and say, did you hear that? I've never seen coverage like that before. And I think that really did bring it home how awful it was. And in the focus of a big game like that, especially for someone like Tyrone Mings making their England debut, to be pulled out of it, and and that's what the focus of the game is. I mean, it's it's really a terrible issue, and I think Bulgaria needs to face a big penalty or a big a, a big punishment here, because otherwise, I don't really see uh, what's going to stop them from doing it again. Yeah, to be making a debut and to have to go through that, he um he performed incredibly well. He had a great game, and and then off the pitch as well in interviews, I thought he was um very eloquent in what he was saying. Uh, obviously, the Bulgarian FA head has has resigned. After the game, uh, despite the fact that the Bulgarian coach said England had worse problems with racism before the match and then during the match, uh, sorry, after the match in his press conference said that some of the England fans were to blame as well and that he didn't hear the racist chants. He's now apologised as well. It, it's just it's just a bit of a, a shit show in terms of in terms of a football match because the football genuinely took sort of backstage and and the racism was yeah like you said Tom just just meant Ryan Tim I'm stumbling over my words here because I'm trying to not get angry (laughs) what what did you guys think you can you can tell (laughs) um um, yeah I I think it was very interesting to hear people especially like for example um the pundits like you said at half time Tom um I thought Ian Wright sort of came out with it um sort of as as he sort of like saw it in terms of he was very proud of the players actions and stuff about how they'd sort of t- taken a stand against it i thought that was very much to be applauded um <clears throat> the one thing i was sort of more interested in though in terms of people speaking out was the um head of the fa um greg clark who they interviewed on itv like after the game and he said like obviously he did say it was horrible and everything and there's no doubt that in that but also there was a thing that he mentioned about like we can't be on too much of a high horse because obviously it's still a problem in our country as well and I thought that's like a, a relevant point to make at this stage because like obviously it's, it's all easy to say like oh so and so like you say like it was horrible because it was it was really like grim to watch and for those to, people to play through it but like also you have to remember that like there are incidents happening from the Premier League downwards uh, almost every week at the minute with people on social media or whatever or the games being sort of racist towards players or whoever so i think it is a, a wider problem that needs addressing um and obviously like i say it will only sort of come with it only starts to be addressed when the sort of like the the punishments are sort of a bit harsher whether it be like sort of banning teams from tournaments or or that sort of thing then that's probably the only way it's going to get sorted but yeah i thought he spoke very well i thought ian wright spoke very well on it as well and i think the important thing to remember at this point is as well like you say that someone like Tyrone Mings, who I, before the game started, I was thinking, well, is he good enough to play for England? He played really, really well, and that shouldn't be taken away from him, especially. Mm. Um, he had a really good debut. Like, I know Bulgaria aren't the strongest team in the group, but like he did really well, and all of the players, um, no matter their sort of like ethnic background, they all played really, really well, and they did the best in a, in a really horrible situation, and that should be applauded, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. Tim, did, did you... Have any um, any thoughts, and, and you guys too can can chip in on this on on UEFA's uh, three step protocol. I'm not convinced 
Tim, have you, you got any thoughts on it? I mean, the three steps is bullshit now, isn't it? Like, it should just be one step in it. It's like, it's not exactly like it was in, in matches in England between English and club. You, you occasionally see racist fans and there's, you know, a group of two or three of them. And it can be quite difficult to identify who they are. This match, there were loads of them and there were, you know, Nazi salutes and obvious chanting. And it was, it was blatant. And to have a three-step process when you can see that sort of thing going on is pathetic. Like, it just needs... It, it got to the point now where the only thing you can do about it is is stop the game. And it, like like Ryan said, you need you know, you need to take the, the biggest action you possibly can on, on sort of nations teams doing that. Like, Bulgaria then needs to be banned from you know, European competitions for, like, this year and next year. They need to be seriously reprimanded. Every game they play needs to be in a completely closed stadium or, like, or you know, closed to mm. home fans or whatever. Like, it needs to be away fans because they've let it get to the point now. And it's, you know, it's, it's not just UEFA. It's, it's the FA as well. We've talked met numerous times about the, you know, in English football, how bad it is. And it happens, you know, in other countries as well, especially France. I know Danny Alves has come out with some comments about um, Paris very recently about the fans there. But, like, it's got to the point now in so many different countries and across Europe that it's so, it's so bad that, that, you know, it needs to be just extreme measures to stop it in that games, you know, need to be... Teams need to be forfeited from tournaments and games need to be played in complete, like, closed stadiums because that is the only possible thing they can do now to to stop it like there's a news that i think about six fat bulgarian fans have been arrested um after that like mm. what's that gonna do like you know they, they won't get big sentences they'll be let out and it's not gonna change a huge amount for, for six hundred yeah, being yeah. arrested like it, it's it's enough they need to just completely stop it and you know it's it might not be fair on the bulgarian players i know the, the captain um i can't remember his name but like he <laughs> there were people going fans at half time yeah and, and pleading with them to stop because it's it's not fair on the, the players playing, including his own team. But it's also not fair on the travelling fan, on the travelling players having to be subjected to that. And I think the only way you can do it is play in closed stadiums where they don't get subjected to this. And, and yeah, it ruins, you know, the atmosphere in games. Then that's easily a price worth paying to not subject these these players to, to racism. And, it, you know... It'll still exist on online and on Twitter, on social media, but at least that's one step they can take that isn't even radical anymore to do it because something needs to change and they're not doing enough. And, you know, that's the first step, I think. And then banning teams from competitions if it carries on is, is another step. But something needs to be done. And to be honest, every day that it goes, that something isn't done and this continues is a failure on every football association that's involved. Couldn't have put it better myself. Uh, I don't, don't get the three-strike policy. It's not fucking baseball. It's it's mm. people's it's people's lives. You yeah. can't go. Oh, oh, what was that? You said a racial slur. All right, you say it two more times, and then I'll do something. Yeah. Well, the first strike is a fucking announcement on the PA system, as if that's going to do like fuck all. Like mm. it, it 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 is so stupid that they they know it's going on, so they put an announcement out. Like people are quite aware that it, that you know they you know they're doing it for because they want to you know like attack these players with. The race, everything. Not doing it because they're unaware and thinking, "Oh no, sorry," because I heard this PA announcement. I need to stop. Like yeah. they know what they're doing. If a fucking announcement doesn't do anything, it needs to be one step in that the game is just cancelled immediately. And it's just like you know, the, the England team were talking about walking off the pitch. 
they're they were like you know three or four nil up they're comfortably winning this if they walk off the pitch they forfeit like if they walk off the pitch from racism they should be awarded the win or because they were already four nil up to then be you know have to forfeit the match is is ridiculous and it stops them from actually walking off and improving a point so it, they need to have a just a massive overhaul of their policy what what i didn't understand as well is that um it appeared that every single strike was really a case of Gareth Southgate or one of the players telling the officials mm. that there'd, there'd been a case of racism. And then as a result, it was then escalated from there. So why didn't, why didn't England, because there was issues in the second half and lots of people said it wasn't as bad, but there were still cases of people saying racist stuff in the second half. Why didn't they abandon the game? And, and, and if it's a case of England or Gareth Southgate have said, okay, we'll continue because we're winning four, five, six nil. Why didn't Southgate say, no, let's let's prove a point and abandon this game and we'll get the default win? Mm. Um, I, I think yeah. that was that was mentioned in the um, interview with, uh, like I said earlier, with Greg Clark. And he said basically at the half time, um, he went down, spoke to Gary Southgate, spoke to like the players and they basically agreed to carry on um, because they all felt like that trying to word this correctly really that they sort of like they, they felt that they could carry on in the circumstances like I said that they didn't want to come up I know it was horrible but they they almost wanted to carry on playing through it in a way which is probably again like maybe not the best policy mm. long term because then it means that like you said people think they can still get away with it but I think they they basically felt that like they had a they had a chat and they said because there, there was a serious. Apparently, they said like there was a serious doubt whether the, the England players are going to come out in the second half, and they, they basically just had a chat about it and said, right, okay, well, we will finish the game, and then obviously they'll they'll deal with repercussions afterwards. So I think it was like a team. It was a team decision to carry on, from what I've sort of managed to read and what I've sort of managed to um, sort of like hear from people over the last like forty eight hours or so since it finished. Mm. It's it's almost you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. If England walk off. You get some people saying that's fantastic. It sends a strong message, but then you'll definitely have other people going, "Well, England were winning, and they should have just carried on going. Like they should have just uh, stuck it to the racists and gone, yeah, we're going to put nine or ten past your team.'" And then on the flip side, with what happened here, England didn't walk off and were commended in the fact that they didn't let the racists win, essentially by forcing them off the pitch. But then some people have also said should have walked off the pitch to to make a protest. Yeah, it's a difficult one, but yeah. I think I think they did the right thing personally. Um, yeah. Yeah. Ultimately, it shouldn't really be down to the players, though, should it? Like, yeah, it no. should be the officials actually taking it. It shouldn't be, you know, it should be taken like, out of the hands. They shouldn't like like Tom it. said, if it was down to the officials, they probably wouldn't have noticed it anyway because Southgate had to point it out and yeah. Mings had yeah. to point it out to the linesman. So uh, probably not the best to leave it to them. But at the end of the day, I mean, I'm, I'm not a I'm not a referee, and I've not read their rule book. But there will definitely be a line in there somewhere where their job is to protect the players. And, and I feel like that's going to have to be stressed a lot more with, with racism because at the end of the day, they're human beings and they deserve to be protected. As a referee, I've got a duty to make sure all these players are fine, not just from two-footed tackles and not from each other, but from everyone else. And if one of these players is walking off the pitch in tears because someone shouted at him, should stop the game. That, that's my personal view on it but i understand that it's going to take a very brave official to to actually do that i would, I would like to add that i think that bulgaria were potentially the worst team i've seen us play 
I mean, I, I think in, in terms of in the environment, maybe that did have an impact on them. But they were they were sort of San Marino and Dora, like they were v- a really really bad team. Um, so I, I do feel that maybe, yeah, maybe I don't. I, 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 there's no justification for the racism at all, and maybe it's just a case of they knew they were going to get battered, so they thought they'd try and put the players off as much as possible. But there's no defence for it, and um, yeah, I, I do think I think. They should be banned. I mean, I don't, I don't understand if they've had an issue with this before in the case where they had the part of the stadium closed. I don't really know what, what, what they've got to do now to maybe get a, a worse ban than that. I mean, I, I personally think they should be taken out of qualification for the next the next international tournament. But yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, no, without a doubt. And, and we could probably do an entire two hour podcast on, on dissecting this game in terms of what happened off the pitch um, because it. It is, I think it's definitely, don't get me wrong, I think it's definitely going to set a precedent because at the end of the day, I've not seen that protocol. Although I don't particularly like the fact that it's three steps, clearly steps were taken. So I hope it's more readily used and more aggressively used, I think, when, when racism comes up or any sort of other abuse, homophobia, sexist, what, whatever it may be. Um, but if we can talk about the football just for a bit, even though it did really much take a back seat. It, England were ruthless and they probably needed that after the result against the Czech Republic on Friday. I don't know if you, any of you watched the, the game and what you thought of it, but they just looked absolutely on it. I, would, I didn't watch it. I was out on Friday, so I missed the Czech Republic game. Thank fuck. <laughs> um, yeah, from what I heard, it wasn't very good. I watched the highlights when I got in. Yeah, it was not great. They just that seemed one was to be... pretty poor. Yeah, very flat. Just not not real any. I mean, it's weird seeing Sancho and I thought Sancho and Sterling didn't look particularly great, and and Kane was okay, but I think it was a completely different performance from Sterling and Kane on on Monday night versus the one on on Friday. Oh, they just every England player looks so in tune up mm. front. I mean, Ross Barkley grabbing the brace. He looks like a very good player. He's having a mixed season for Chelsea. Well, that is one. One time this year, yeah. <laughs> it's it's weird though because he got slated in the pregame by Roy Keane saying he didn't really know what he does. And I I said to, I watched it with um with my girlfriend and I said I guarantee you I'll put all of my money Ross Barkley will score now. Uh, and Does anyone uh, here Roy like Keane now owes me all of my money. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, I'm sure we can afford that. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. You never know. We've all we've we've all heard the allegations. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, England, England looked ruthless. Uh, Raheem Sterling grabbing. Nice to see Marcus Rashford scoring from open play. Cheers, Marcus. <laughs> the, goal you know, looked, the goal looked like it was an absolute banger, and then it was just an absolute shitter from the keeper. <laughs> it just like went. He just ducked out the way. But yeah, when, when I was watching, when I was watching the game, and Rashford was winding it up. I said, because I watched it again with my girlfriend, I was like, oh, fucking don't shoot. Never mind. Um, yeah, nice to see him. He just looks more comfortable out on the left-hand side. And maybe we, we'll talk about it later in the, in the Manchester United-Liverpool preview, maybe with uh, Martial set to come back this weekend. We he'll get did really well in our predictions from last week where we said Rashford doesn't really have a place in the England team. So, uh, and then he goes and scores. I mean, I said he didn't have a place in the England team for the Czech Republic game, but for Bulgaria. So technically, I'm watertight here. All right, Tim, Millie, I you did also, say that Tammy Yeah, you yeah. said, Tim, you said it was going to be like 4 0 England as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, well, I couldn't predict how badly we were going to play. So that's not on me. I guess, 
if, if we're going to talk about something of, uh, of maybe of interest in it, for England, I guess the, the changing parts are going to be the centre-backs and potentially the centre-midfielders. So, obviously, I, I, I thought Mings was really, really impressive, granted against a weaker Bulgaria team. But I think he'll probably take Michael Keane's place now um, for, the, for the next one. But what did people make of Mason Mount on Friday night starting? And then what, what about Harry Winks against, um, against Bulgaria? I think I know what Ryan's going to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, it might be a bit of bias from my point of view. Oh, really? Um, <laughs> I never um, saw I do, that coming. I do think, I, I do personally think that if England are going to set up like they did, so like four like in, in sort of defence and then two midfielders and then maybe sort of like three behind a striker or something similar, um, you need someone like Henderson or Declan Rice, not both of them. Yeah, and therefore that leads the way for someone like Winks to play because he can. He's one of the people. He's very comfortable on the ball. He shows for the ball a lot. Like he will sort of drop behind the midfield and sort of go and pick it up from the centre backs or whatever. And he also can get involved. He he sort of like you saw him. He put himself about a bit a fair amount against Bulgaria. He was putting tackles in and stuff. So I think he or someone like him. I don't necessarily think he's the answer because he is a little bit limited. But I think someone like him is the answer to England's midfield problems. You need like a, a sort I of like, think... player like Henderson, and then you need Winks or someone like Winks alongside him. You can't mm-hmm. play two like ball winners because it's just too negative otherwise. I think he really benefited from a sort of like three in midfield, or like and more so when we played against Bulgaria than the Czech Republic when it was clearly a Henderson Rice both playing a sort of holding role. The Winks playing in the middle, he definitely had the opportunity to go and pick the ball up more. And there yeah. were more options to, to play through, whether it was with Henderson and Rice. I mean, they, did, they really had a bad game, but that they just looked a bit uncomfortable in their sort of movement. They both stood still and didn't really move play on a bit, whether it was Winks did that quite well. Even if you say he's a bit limited, he definitely fulfilled that sort of role where he could he can pick the ball up a bit deep and pass it forward, um, which he did do really well in. And look, if England play like that, he is a, a guy that can do that quite well, even if yeah, he maybe doesn't have a huge amount of quality. He does that that role really well. So he could genuinely be playing there for England for a while if they play like that. Yeah, or, or like you say, you find someone similar to him that can play in that role. Like Barclays played a little bit deeper before, like in that role before as well for England. So you could potentially, but then does Barclay do enough defensively? That's what you've got to ask yourself. I think no. that is the solution. Yeah, I'd say it's usually a short answer when you ask yourself that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think in general, he... A player like him, I'm very careful not to just say Winks is the future, but someone like him is the answer, I think, to England. And then you can play either Henderson or Rice in the sort of like the midfield next to them. Yeah, and I think that you gain so much more from having someone who can move the ball like a, a Winks who is comfortable with it. It's almost a shame because England had that in Michael Carrick and then didn't really use him. And I'm not saying that. Michael Carrick is the answer because he's old as fuck. But if you have someone like that quarterback role, I don't like using that, but someone who can play the sideways passes when you need to just keep possession and, and have the ball, but someone who can, you know what, look forward and play that rasping 20, 30, 40 yard pass in behind to get people in behind. Whereas, yeah, your Rices and your Hendersons are more sort of there to just, just cover the back four. Um, mm. On the subject of centre-backs, because Tom mentioned it as well, I really like Tyrone Miggs. The thing that I like about Ming's Maguire partnership, which I kind of also dislike, is they both have that 
tendency to maraud forwards. There was a run in the second half of that Bulgaria yeah. game where Mings went from literally box to box. And I feel like if, if that's going to be England's starting partnership, if they're going to play a, a four at the back and have two central defensive midfielders, they might need to just temper that a little bit and not just go gallivanting up the pitch every time one of them gets the ball. <laughs> the, 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 sort of the, oh, 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 everyone's in! <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to say that I wanted to see Tamori play, to be honest. I was quite disappointed when he didn't play, but if he continues his start to yes. the season. I mean, but to be honest, like I'd like to see him and Mings play together as well. So, Yeah, no, no Tamori's been very impressive. Chelsea's... Good derby. <laughs> Those two own goals in two games. Yeah. Well, everyone's, everyone's getting absolutely excited about Mason Mount being voted, uh, in the Golden Boy conversation. He played most of the season for Derby last. They didn't even get promoted. Oh, <laughs> not even going there, mate. Although, Hudson Odoi was more injured for most of the season and didn't get nominated for Phil Foden. He's got much better stats than Foden does. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Phil, what, better stats? What is this? <laughs> what manager? As in, like, he's got more assists and more goals than Foden. And he's All been right. injured for like two, I thought two you meant he got like. Year. Three more bravery or something. <laughs> <laughs> He's got 75 aggression to Foden 60. <laughs> I, think, I think Hudson Adoy will be the next one that comes up from the end of 21. So I think he looks. Um, he scored two again uh, in the game last night. I think, uh, but I think yeah. he'll be he'll be he'll be the next one that comes up. I think. Well, he did already get a call up, but he's just been injured for so long yeah, that yeah, yeah. He, had, he had to go play under 21s. But no, he'll definitely be in there. But then, like, he's going to struggle for a starting place over you know Sterling Sancho. Uh, Rashford, if he's playing on the wing as well. So, but it'll be, you know, he's he's definitely got a future there, I think. Definitely. But there's a, there's so much great youth in this England team that like there's so many options, and I don't think. But they're all wing. The they're all wingers. That's the yeah. problem. <laughs> isn't it? We've got loads I of wing. I don't think Mings and Tamori would work on the wing, to be honest. Right, Mings is like 27. <laughs> he's also. Yeah, no, that's the point. Uh, quickly before we move on from England, uh, James Madison. Binning England duty off to go to casino. Uh, is, has he got a future there, or do you think Gareth Southgate is going to be a bit peeved off with him? What the I casino? Think, I think he had he had a legitimate. He was he was ill. Uh, he had some sort of illness. He didn't just go. Nah, fuck England, mate. <laughs> Gambling addiction. <laughs> Fiver on <laughs> red. <laughs> and he's but, probably got more to spend than a fiver. Yeah. yeah. He only wants to spend a fiver because he's ill. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> it's got my beaches is expensive stuff, man. <laughs> Sponsorship. I, I, I think, I think if if all goes well with the next month with Leicester, he'll probably be playing in one or both of the games towards the end of the qualification thing. Because obviously we've got basically we just need a point to get through. Or if results go our way, then we don't even have to win to get through. Or we don't even have to. Have to get any points or something like that. So I think Madison is probably going to get a shout probably in the Kosovo game. Um, but yeah, he, I think he's just one of the things where like, he obviously just realised he couldn't play for England. He had some, he might had a sickness bug or something and just thought, well, I'll go out on a Saturday anyway. And then obviously just, you can't do that now because he's got a bit more of a profile than when he was at Coventry. Mm. Just one of them like, sort of silly mistakes, I think, rather than anything too I'm malicious. Wait for Loftus Cheat to come back and then we don't need any more midfielders because he can do it all himself and then we can just play five up front. <laughs> I fucking forgot about him as well. Yeah, shit. Uh, he's been injured for fucking ages after that stupid friendly yeah. against the US team. So, oh yeah, no, he'll come back and do the job of absolutely everyone in midfield, and then we can just play Sterling, Sancho, Kane, Rashford, and Hudson Odoi all up hmm. front. To be fair, with with the amount of Chelsea players getting into the England team, I'm surprised that Pedro's not going to get a call up at some point. 
<laughs> you'd, um, imagine, you'd imagine Deli Ali would be back in the reckoning at some point as well. So, I yeah, mean, yeah. Dropped for this one, but I think that was more out of coming back from injury rather than a, than a. Well, I don't really know, but he he's still going to be a main. Uh, you'd imagine he'd be in the next squad for sure. I, I think I... he'll struggle to get first team minutes though. At Spurs. Nish, nish, <laughs> shit at England. Oh, yeah, but I think, you don't you, you don't get them you get the minutes for Spurs and then you get called up to England, don't you? It's not the other way around. It's not like, oh yeah, that really good game for England, we'll just chuck him in. <laughs> no, 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 just, but like, I mean if he gets in the England squad, I think he'll struggle to get in, in the, the starting leveling really competitive okay. match at the moment with the talent they've got. I'd play Ali over Barkley every day of the week. Oh fuck, in- fuck yeah, Barkley's shit, but I play Mount over Ali. <laughs> Ali's not having a great season. No! He's hired a nutritionist and uh, he's got off all social media at the moment to try and turn his form around because he's, he's not had the best start to the season, at, but, but neither of Spurs, so maybe that, that can correlate. If, uh, yeah, I think there's, that's, that's what's known as a positive correlation, Danny. Kane's <laughs> <laughs> mean, still in the squad. Better, yeah, I mean... Yeah, but Harry Kane's undroppable, isn't he? Yeah. Captain, aren't they? Yeah, I still I don't know. We at some point we're gonna have to address the issue that Henderson, like I just, I just can't. He's he's like fundamentally he's a, he's a decent footballer, but he is be, he's benefiting so much from being in that Liverpool team. Like no, it's just it's just a tr- if he played for Everton he wouldn't be anywhere near the I mean, England squad. Let's be honest, Milner will probably get a call up next year, so. He's retired from international yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, I think he would have got a call up a lot He's played for Liverpool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, true. To be fair, at this rate. that entire Liverpool team would happily get called up to, to the England squad if they could. Right, let's move it on uh, away from England because we, we have heavily addressed all the possibilities, including a deep dive into Chelsea's youth system. Um, let, any better. I'm surprised Tom didn't mention the Callum Wilson post-hit, to be honest. I know. And Tyron, Tyron Mings used to play for Bournemouth as well. What a time to be alive. <laughs> First let's... time Tom hasn't mentioned Bournemouth before anyone else. <laughs> let's, uh, let's move it on to Group J, because I know Ryan wants to get his uh, teeth sunk into this one. Tim, I'll start with you. Timo Puki, um, what nationality is he? He's Finnish, isn't he? He's not finished. He's only 28. Ryan, you wanted to talk oh, about that. Oh, no. Part, do, do not put that in. That, that, is 100%, that is 100% staying in. That is do, not, do not put that's, that's that in. That's anti-Niemi joke, isn't it? Yeah. The talk's yeah. what? I, I literally wrote that down. He's, 20, he's 28, he's not finished. No, he's from Finland. You do not deserve to host a podcast and a full radio show. That works perfectly. I've never seen something work so perfectly. <laughs> I didn't think you'd stoop that low. <laughs> I wish I hadn't wished you a happy birthday now. <laughs> An eight happy birthday, might I add. Um, <laughs> sorry, thank you. thank you so much for that. It's, that has absolutely made my day. Ryan? You were uh, you wanted to talk Finland. You you were very eager in the in the group chat. They beat Armenia by three goals to nil. They're on the brink of qualifying for for a major international tournament. Go, I give you the floor. I fucking love permutations. <laughs> I absolutely love you know like when it gets down to sort of like the business end of the Euros, like qualification or World Cup qualification, where you have to work out what teams like what they were sort of like what they need and who yeah. who needs points and stuff i just fucking love permutations it's fantastic <laughs> um 
And the one that's popped into the sort of like the inbox this week is the fact that Finland are a home win away against Liechtenstein, um, away from qualifying for their first ever major tournament, which oh. I am absolutely buzzing for. I love this so much. Pookie, we're having a brace. Yeah, exactly. And, and this is, like I said, I've gone and sort of did a bit of research off my own back. N- nothing to do with the fact I'm on half turn this week. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, sort of like, had a look into them. Obviously, like you said, Puki is probably their most well-known player. Got a couple of people in there as well. Uh, Lucas Tradecki, who plays in goal for Bayer Leverkusen. Also another recognisable face for those people that play on FIFA and need a good Bundesliga goalie. Or um, Bundesliga highlights. Or, or watch the Bundesliga highlights. <laughs> um, <laughs> And yeah, in general, they, they seem to have done it very, if they compare them with their Nordic neighbours, Iceland, they seem to have done it in a very Icelandic way. So obviously they play, just looking at their sort of like the highlights and the tactics and stuff, they play like a quite a simple, in brackets, four four two system. But like, probably the best contemporary example is probably Sean Dyche's Burnley. Sort of very compact, like, don't take any shit from anyone. Um, their manager is an ex-teacher as well, who is basically very good at team building exercises. He's got them all working. He's got them all working on colouring books. <laughs> yeah, he's just teaching them maths all the time. <laughs> um, and this is basically translated into the most successful period in the Finnish national team's history, which I'm very happy for them for. And I really hope that they get the job done next month, and then we see them in the Euros in the summer. You, you know what happens? Really- they'll get drawn against Iceland, and then they'll be- uh, against England. Sorry, and they'll beat us. I'd happy. I'd be happy for that because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I did the same for Ireland in uh, sorry Iceland in 2016. Like any team that's never qualified for something or is or is sort of like qualified a long time ago, I automatically root for them because it'd be such like for example Peru last World Cup. You know they hadn't qualified for like 30 years. All their fans were going nuts, and it was like it was just really nice to see. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I automatically sort of cheer for the team that haven't qualified before. So Finland have already got my vote for like my favourite team for next summer. I'm I'm looking forward to when Finland qualify and you're going to become our reporter for Finland, just updating us on the daily <laughs> camp, how Finland are doing. No, they've been, as as a Group J enthusiast, because I've been watching the Italy games, they look really decent and they gave Italy a hard time. I think they scored their first goal against Italy in 24 years when Italy beat them 2-1 in Finland. Um, and they looked really good and they only lost to a late penalty. Um, so they look, they do look very, very, a very tidy team. And at the end of the day, if you've got a striker who, I, granted, he's not scored in a few games in the Premier League because Norwich is struggling, but if you've got a striker who knows where the back of the net is and can find it on some regularity, you're always going to have a chance. And, and he proved that against Armenia. He scored two goals in the second half to basically make Finland cruise to that win. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. Viva la Finland. Ryan. I don't know, don't know what that is in Finnish. What are you going to do yeah. if Finland end up playing Italy in like the, the semi-finals or something? Because neither of them have been in a tournament for fucking ages. Oh, you very good point. <laughs> that's a that's a nice little clapback from the anti Niemi thing as well. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> just just the four World Cups. <laughs> um, no one likes to show off, Danny. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, genius scored. I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, like I said, the um, in terms of the like you said, Danny, with the, the the Italy games as well. Obviously, they've already qualified, which is again something to um, be quite proud of. I imagine you're pretty buzzing for that. Um, what do you think has changed in the last two years? Because I'm going to be honest, I don't watch a lot of Italian football or the Italy national team, so I'll see to you on this. What has changed since that horrible game 
against Sweden in 2017? That's literally just the simplest answer. Left. It was that simple. He was completely out of his depth as international manager. He refused to play players who were on incredible form. Like Lorenzo Insigne was having a banging season in Serie A and he left him on the bench for both legs against Sweden in the playoff. Um, and I, I, you might have seen it in that game where um, he asked Daniela De Rossi to warm up with 10 minutes to go to get out on the pitch. And De Rossi just starts shouting at him, like, why are you telling me to warm up? We're losing 1-0. We're about to go out of the World Cup. And you're telling a defensive midfielder who's 35 years old to warm up. Um, so similar as that. He's out of the team. Mancini, <laughs> Mancini has, has built it around a lot of young players. I think we'll do that well at the Euros. Against the bigger teams, we'll struggle. Because despite the fact that we beat Liechtenstein 5-0 um, yesterday, we struggled. It was one nil after an hour, and it was only because they got tired that we managed to expose the gaps. And I think we'll struggle against better teams. But yeah, simply put, it's nice to see Italy qualify for a major tournament again. That was a lonely summer. I did not enjoy <laughs> it. It's nice to see goals. <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's quite interesting. Like you say, talking about these teams, like for example, Italy and the Netherlands, who. It's, it sounds weird to sort of like include them in this bracket of teams to look out for as like almost like fresh teams in a way because like I said they didn't qualify for the last tournament or the tournament before that. Um, it will be interesting to see how they go. Like I said, I think from what I've seen, like I've, I've watched the highlights. Obviously, in my Finn research, I've been watching the highlights and the group <laughs> Um And yeah, like you said, um, sort of some of the games they maybe not been con- totally convincing in, but they're still getting the results. Which, to be honest, is what I expect from an Italian team anyway, like the national team. Like my abiding memories of whenever there's like a qualification round on, it's like Italy will play someone like Bulgaria and they'll just get like a one nil or two nil win. Like it will never be like massively, they'll never like beat someone nine nil like Belgium did the other day. It's always sort of like just functional, just get the job done and then like leave and then move on. Yeah, so, that's a very, that's just Italian culture in general, to be fair. Yeah. Get an espresso, move on, don't need food. Um, <laughs> one thing I was going to say on that Lichstein game, they were very good and they had, the first chance of the game and it was a very good save from Sirigu and then Italy instantly went up the other end and scored and they had a few chances in that half and they were unfortunate not to score and the 5-0 scoreline really doesn't do them justice because they had three very very good chances and there were three very good saves from Sirigu so um, yeah unfortunate for them but yay Italy uh, a solid a solid win against them and against Greece Greece have just fallen off a cliff, haven't they? In terms of their like, they're just nowhere near qualifying. Economy, Greece. All I heard was just economy. Then that's all Jim said. <laughs> economy. Right. As we wrap up with this one, thank you very much for listening. Remember, you can get in touch. Game time underscore pod on Twitter or Game Time Podcast One at gmail.com. You can also leave any comments or likes on whatever podcasting app you listen to us. Thank you, Tom, for coming back. Happy birthday, mate. Thank you very much. Ryan, thank you as well. Up the Finland. <laughs> Tim, thanks. Bye. See you later. <laughs>